You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been cleared for takeoff. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am your host, Tim Capper, along with the laundry folding Cliffy D. <laughs> Who says people don't want to delve into your personal business? Hey, what can I say? I'm just a regular guy, too. I mean, laundry, laundry's got not doing itself, so I got to get in there and uh, get all my clothes washed and folded and put away, which is, uh, I hate that. What? Explain this to me. Yeah. How is it that you can invent a machine that washes your clothes and a machine that dries your clothes, but not one that folds your clothes? Explain that one to me. Hmm. So I guess we don't have we don't have our own Sheldon Cooper to do it for us. We don't have our own Rosie from the Jetsons to do it for us. Um, yeah, I don't know. You got me there. You know, the, the closest, close, you know, the best question that I could ask for is, you know, is they either boxes or briefs. Or what? Are, what, are the, what are those new called? The, the not the, the the brief boxers, whatever the hell they're called now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that's that's the uh, that's the poll of the day. <laughs> Go vote over on Twitter. No, just kidding. Yeah. Uh, or better yet, don't. <laughs> yeah, or better yet, don't. So uh, the Antonio Pipkin era starts <laughs> starts in Montreal. Um, cool. Technically starts in Edmonton, but uh, well, I, I, yeah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I think the biggest question this week, besides you know, it wasn't if who was going to start was was the game going to be played or not. And I think that was that was the big question. I, did you did you actually reach out to your brother? By the way, his brother lives at Edmonton. Did you reach out to your brother to see if he was going to go to the game or what? What you know, based on the wildfires and stuff like that, the the smoke that they were getting in it. I mean, it was bad in some places in Western Canada. And you know, day before we it was like uh, the air quality was at a ten plus. Yep. And uh, yes, I I did speak with him regarding it, and uh, he said as you know, like so supposedly there was a cold front that was coming in, and I think that's the reason why the game ended up being 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 played was because this cold front came in and kind of helped dissipate a lot of the uh, the smoke in the air and uh, that because again let's not forget the Edmonton Eskimos who were out there uh, they had to go inside to do their practice for the week so oh they were they were copying the Alouettes I yeah uh, <laughs> I wonder if fans were banned from going inside the practice facility too I wonder I don't know but I do know it's funny by the way it's funny we joke when we say that and the Owls announced this week that oh. hey practices are back outside Imagine that. Had hmm. no, it had nothing to do with the weather. Come on. Uh, no. no. It, and it hasn't been that. You know, we don't. Have, you know, the heat wave is is not what it was a couple weeks ago. So it's yeah. Just, just and truth be told, I think the last place I'd want to be in is that very stuffy uh, Olympic Stadium. I mean, when the air conditioning's on, I guess it's fine. But I mean, like, is it really that much more comfortable inside for the players and all that? Like, I mean, I'd, I'm I'm all for player safety and all that jazz, but I mean. I'd also rather be outside and working too, but I guess if it's thirty plus degrees, yeah, it's not fun to be out there. But 
I mean, I just, from my limited experiences of being inside the Olympic Stadium during the summertime, back when the Expos were there, uh, I remember it was, uh, I wouldn't call it exactly a sweat box, but I mean, no, it was because the AC was running. <laughs> Barely. Or if, or if you're old enough to remember, the roof was open. This is true, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, gotten off topic. Uh, but it, you know, it's funny. It was nice. You know, I wasn't sure what was happening because we had heard rumors that the that the game itself was, if it had been canceled, was going to be played at two p.m. local time on Sunday, um, which would have been interesting because uh, I don't know how that would have worked with TSN because I know that they were showing the. Uh, I think I don't. I can't remember if they showed it across the uh, across the network for uh, for the Duke McGill University basketball game that was here in Montreal because I know that was on on TSN. Uh, but but either way, it didn't happen. I mean, it's very rare for the you know for the Alouettes to have a game canceled. It would only been the third time since they've returned uh, that there would have been a canceled game for the Alouettes that would have been rescheduled. So either, yeah, but either way, the game was played. It was good to see that they took everything into you know cross between the, the Eskimos and the uh, the city of Edmonton, and you know coordinating with the CFL and getting making sure that, that everything was. The way that it should be, because if the weather been anything like it was in Lloyd Minster, you know, with you know, it's bad when your lights are on, your night lights are on when it's nine nine a.m. in the morning. You you no 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 <laughs> no scary stuff. And uh, like I said, I you know, props to the uh, as you said to the Eskimos and uh, CFL for keeping everybody informed, uh, especially working with local officials and that uh, just to keep everybody in the loop as to what's happening because yeah it would have been unfortunate if the game had been postponed or god forbid even canceled but uh oh, it, wouldn't, I, it wouldn't have been canceled it wouldn't have been canceled no it, it I, would have I, been postponed they would have found a way somehow some and there there are enough bye weeks left in the season that that you know as i said as i said what i heard was only a rumor that they would have played it on sunday i think that probably would have been the best thing to do because did the owls head out the owls don't head they're done they're done heading out west aren't they uh, well, no, they go to, they go to Winnipeg in uh, mid September. Oh, yes. yes, yes, but yes, that's yes. the furthest west they're going to go from this point on. Yeah. After that, it's everybody. It, it, everything's pretty much going to be in the Eastern Time Zone. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> speaking of smoking and on fire, uh, which was worse, uh, the Alouettes, the Alouettes defense, or uh, the Edmonton Eskimos offense? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, Mike Riley. That what else? What else can I say about the guy? Like we said, we, we talked him up last week with the uh, the folks from the Eskimo Empire podcast, and like I said, I I think the world of Mike Riley. He is a gamer, one hundred percent. The guy is just a straight up baller. I even compared him to Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers, and not just because they both wear green and gold, but as, as far as the way they, these guys play the game unbelievable there's yeah. just he's just on another level altogether you talk about elite quarterbacks in the cfl without question both he and Bo Levi mitchell are in that top tier and everybody else is just fighting to even come close to that there's there's simply no comparison and again mike riley just put on a clinic like for him it was just another day at the office like 400 plus passing yards four touchdowns uh, i think three rushing or no three throwing one rushing but i mean that's that's just what mike riley does he did it a few weeks ago here in montreal Absolutely shredded the Alouettes defense, and once again, just in case you, in case you needed a reminder of just how good Mike Riley is, right? He's, he stepped to the plate and said, "You know what? I got this," and just did the same thing again. Like he literally put the Alouettes over his knee and spanked them all night long on Saturday. But you know what? It's I was you know with Antonio Pipkin starting, you know his first CFL start, 
we didn't know what to expect. We've had so many quarterbacks have their first CFL start since AC went down and retired. Um, We're now sitting at 15, folks. Yeah. If you're, if, if you're counting, and, well, if you lost count, so there you go, 15. Yeah, We're yeah. now at 15. I think they're there at that time. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. It's time where we – I think they're getting to the point of uh, – uh, of Cleveland Browns starting quarterbacks in the back of their jersey now. I think we're, we're getting very close to that one, too. So we may have surpassed it. Uh, but, but you know what? Overall, to be fair, Cliff, I, you know, the game to me was very entertaining. It's not one of those games where I was thinking, you know, sure, the Alouettes went into the game, I think, as a 20-point underdog at one point. I mean, that's the, on top of that, that's nuts. Uh, but as, by the way, Super, Super Fan Mike said, you know, take the points. Which you should have, because then you would have come. You would have come out okay, but mm-hmm. you know the game was very entertaining, uh, and I, I can say that for sure because it's. I never, you know, it's funny. A lot of these games where you look, you lose faith. You saw what happened to uh, to Johnny Football in his first game. You know, were lose down twenty eight points. But you know, even though that, that the Owls got schlacked, I don't know. It just seems to be that the Alouettes have been doing very well on the road, even though they, you know, it's their only win of the year. Um, but it's. It just, I don't know. I never lost faith. I mean, you look at the score, sure. They lost by 16 points. But still, you know, yes, they always say that the the score really doesn't reflect the true game itself in, you know, in its entirety. And I think that's, I think that's the case in, on both sides of the ball, so to speak. Absolutely. I, I think it, and it definitely was a tale of two games when it comes to the LOS offense versus the LOS defense, because, yeah, with his with this being his first professional start, uh, I mean, I think the expectation level had to be considerably low for Antonio Pipkin, not putting him down, but considering just what he had to work with and everything else that was surrounding this team, I think a lot of people were just like kind of going in saying, well, just don't get killed out there. And he didn't. He actually looked really impressive. He did look good. Yeah. It, it, it was noticeable league-wide, too. I noticed a lot of folks were sort of sitting up and paying attention, like, wow, this kid actually looks decent. I think this might be the best quarterback the Alouettes have had all season long, which I can't 100% agree with that because, again, I still think Vernon Adams played uh, just like he did against Edmonton himself a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I think he played a very solid game overall. Yes. And the numbers will favor Pipkin a little bit more because he didn't have as many turnovers as what Adams did. But, uh, again, Antonio Pipkin played a very solid, very good game. And the one thing I came away with more than anything else was just how calm he was. He did not look rattled. He didn't look scared like, oh, crap, I'm, I, I, I'm playing for a professional football team and I've got to win this game. Like, he didn't have that sort of fear in his eyes. He did. Like, he just, the deer in the headlights. Yeah, exactly. He didn't have that whatsoever. He just went in there. It's like, okay, I'll go in and make my reads and let's see what happens. And... Overall, I think Pipkin played a, a pretty good game, all things considered. Like, his numbers were not outstanding, but he did generate a fair bit of offense, which the Alouettes have been sorely lacking in. So, I mean, they ended up scoring the most points they have all season long, which is kind of sad when you think about it. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, again, Pipkin, the fact that he was able to generate offense, uh, he, he ran for a touchdown, he threw for a touchdown. Uh, man, uh <laughs> Like I said, he, he, he did it extremely well. I, I think he looked a lot more poised than what Drew Willie had. And Drew Willie is at least close to 10 years older than what Antonio Pipkin is. And I, I feel I would feel a lot more confident with Antonio Pipkin behind center than Drew Willie, just based on how they played yeah. this season. Yeah, Pipkin 14 at 25, 217, 1 and 1. 
Uh, you were talking about Mike Crowley before. He, 33 of 42, 424. He, I, I think he surpassed what he passed versus the Alouettes pre, in our previous game. Uh, three three touchdowns, one interception. Um, and, you know, the sticking points come. You know, this is this is it again. You know, rushing. You know, Terrell Sutton before he gets hurt in the fourth. I mean, only nine attempts, 31 yards. Uh, Pipkin himself had two for 23 and a touchdown, and Eugene Lewis had one for four and a touchdown. Um, How about that jet sweep by Eugene Lewis? Oh, no Man. kidding. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, again, this just adds to the legend of just unusual ways of scoring. That's just that's just what Eugene Lewis does. He he seems to be synonymous with any sort of wacky, unusual play. And I guess I guess a jet sweep really isn't considered unusual, but it did catch everybody napping because uh, they're right up on the the one yard line and everybody expects the quarterback just to plunge forward and score yeah. the touchdown but nope he, he he actually takes this the snap almost like a wildcat formation yeah yeah that's... lewis takes it lewis takes the snap and just you know jet sweep baby all day long and into the end zone and they've done it before they've done it quite a bit recently they've done it, done it with uh with bj cunningham they've done it with with, with uh wow well, with others so it's uh, by the way the interception itself and i know this this is this and i understand this is how it's called in the cfl uh, but to me, uh, you know, Steve Daniel, I, I understand Steve's point with this one, but I mean, to me, it's, I understand that's the way it's always been called, but no, the, the interception was on a, on a two point convert. I don't, to me, that really is one of the few things that I don't agree with, with the CFL game. And, and, the, and when it comes to the stats and scoring with this, you, you don't count an interception. You don't count an interception when you're, when you're going for two on, on you know, on an extra point. Yeah. I mean, it, it make to me, it makes no sense, but that's, that's, that's just me. It's. I get, it's that whole letter of the law thing, I suppose. Yeah, well, I, got, I think that's the the NFL fan and the Arena League fan in me that says, no, 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 no. Even college ball, they don't even count that. Um, they really don't. No, they don't. So, uh, receiving, B.J. Cunningham led, led the team. Uh, nine targets, six receptions, uh, 82 yards, and, a tu- and the only touchdown. Uh, Eugene Lewis had 40 yards on uh, one reception. Uh, uh, Stanbeck, one for 30. Darius Bowman before he got ejected, which we're going to talk about. Uh, two for 19. Uh, TJ Graham, which we're going to talk about. Also, one for 15. Four targets, by the way. Hint, hint, hint. Uh, Ejack, uh, one reception for 11 yards. Sutton, see, that's, that's another thing, too. Sutton only had one. One reception. Only one target. But uh, maybe it's just the quarterback because of how Pipkin was playing. They didn't need to use it as much. And then Patrick Lavoie, what the what? Uh, one reception. For nine yards, uh, but the also biggest beast, by the way, we're talking about before uh, uh, Mwamba. Twelve ta- is this a second straight game with over ten plus tackles? Yep. I mean, monster again. And you know, I know we're saying how, how when it comes to the how the teams are playing and, and you know when defense and offense for the for the for the Owls. But I mean, it's yeah, I, I get it. I mean, as I said, again, they Edmonton gets twenty more first downs than the Owls. Uh, 17 to 29 on second downs. The Alouettes, a paltry. See, I see, I didn't even think this, dude. How can you, a paltry three for 15. I don't get that. That I don't get. And again, the Owls give up more than 500 net yards. Yeah. Um, and then the other biggest thing that we were mentioning is like 38, 30, was it 39? Just so almost 39 total minutes for time of possession for the Eskimos. It's it's it, it's two games in a row. It, it something has got to stop. They've got to get them off the field. And, and I understand this is a young crew, but man, oh man, it's it's 
it's killing them. Yep. And again, I, you look at so many things with this defense, and it's I, I, aside from Hunok Moamba and Chris Aki, I am struggling, struggling to find any sort of positives. Yeah. Because I, I keep seeing missed tackle after missed tackle after missed tackle, and it's frustrating. Uh, guys like Mike Riley, yes, Mike Riley is a very good quarterback, but you still have to be able to contain the receivers somehow, and the secondary is just not doing that. There's little to no pass rush, and don't you give me just because John Bowman is hurt, because again, John Bowman is going to be finished playing football after this season. So if you don't have a contingency plan in place to replace John Bowman and help sort of keep that, that fearsome pass rush going, you're going to get burned. And talking about getting burned too, Chip Cox, I... I've been hard on Chip Cox for the longest time, and honestly, with with reason, because he does not belong out there. I'm sorry to say, but the Chip Cox of days gone by has gone by. (laughs) (laughs) He is getting torched time and time again, and he's being put in situations where he has to cover receivers, and it's not happening. The guy is a lot older now. Uh, Definitely was not the speedster he was back in the day. He's just, it's sad. He is running on fumes. He literally is running on fumes and has been for the past two years, if not three. And it's disappointing to watch over and over again. And someone actually on on Twitter had said to me, well, who else is he going to put in there? There's no one that's playing better than him. And I'll argue that, well, he's not playing. The reason he's playing is because he's playing on his name alone, not necessarily because there's nobody better out there. Fine. I mean, there may be someone as popular or well-known as him, but... If so, if you're going to get torched by uh, by uh, by an offense, I'd almost feel better knowing that it was because a rookie is just you know taking his lumps as he's supposed to be, as opposed to a wizened old veteran who, unfortunately, looks like uh, his best before date has passed. And that's really how I feel about Chip Cox right now. And it's disappointing to say because I do think the world of Chip. And for the longest time, he was one of the dominant Alouettes on this team, and now he's sadly become a, a shell of his former self and it's it's disheartening because people still believe in chip cox they still think he's that chip cox of 2010 to 2014 and i'm sorry folks he's not he hasn't been for the longest time and no it it's just not happening anymore like this entire defense is being schooled over and over again by opposing teams and a lot of it is because we've got rookies that are still trying to find their way we've got guys that maybe are being put in positions where they shouldn't be any number of reasons but I mean, I, I I just I hate to make Chip Cox a scapegoat per se, but just based on everything I've seen so far, there's no viable reason why Chip Cox should be out there in a starting position on this on this defense right now. Well, uh, I mean, maybe 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 we're gonna have some changes coming soon. I don't know. Um, you know, it's they got to do something because I think you know with Sherman at the break of you know halfway through the season, Sherman I think is uh, for a first year coach is the worst record I think worst record for a first year coach with an eighteen you know after after in an eighteen game season. So some some something's got to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you think about coaches in the past like uh, Dan Hawkins, Rod Rust, and they were always remembered for being such terrible coaches, but I mean, I'm not saying this well, that Mike Sherman, Rasta, but remember, then Russ started off, he started off well, and then he had a collapse at the end of the year. He started yes. off. Okay. Yes. He had, well, he had a very good team in front of him too. That, yeah. They started off nine and two, right? I think if I'm not mistaken, then they ended up at five, 500 or something like that, or nine and one. And they, they clinched early. 
they'd clinch a playoff spot early and they basically coasted and i think that's where that's where uh jim pop took over for one of his few of many times <laughs> <laughs> yes that that is correct so um yeah um so you know looking more at the game it's a, I, I don't know what else what else we can what else we can say but you know some things really do have to change with this team especially with the injuries that that popped up this week also um you know first you know uh, Terrell Sutton going down uh you know yes he isn't getting the reps sure the the owls are are third uh was it third in uh rush yards per average per rush I just said the same thing twice but the average <laughs> yards per rush there we go um but it's, it's it's kind of misleading isn't it cliff because you know the owls have the wor- have the fewest rushing attempts in the league so but still it's it's a good average but still with him going down now and i think i think we're you know it's funny we're not you and i really don't seem to be that concerned because it gives stanbeck a chance to be the starter and he's shown some signs of being a pretty pretty cool speed demon right Absolutely. Like he's been proving himself time and again on special teams in the wake of uh, Stefan Logan's absence and has more than held his own there when it comes to returning kicks. Uh, Which may change yeah. if, he, if he's getting all the reps this week. That could. And we actually saw a little bit of that too last week with uh, TJ Heath was actually taking some returns as well, which, which that's going to change too. <laughs> yep. Because yeah, I, I, I was very baffled because I, I, I don't understand why you're not putting TJ Graham as a returner because the guy is lightning fast and instead of having him flounder on offense which he unfortunately did versus the Eskimos uh, maybe he's just not quite the uh, the route runner that a receiver needs to be but instead why not put him to use in other ways in in, in this case returning kicks uh, I, I'm a little ba- I was a little baffled to see of the two TJs that were on this team why is Heath returning and not Graham but it's a different story that uh, I guess we'll never get the answer to now, thanks to uh, events that have taken place today. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, also this is going to open things up as well for Ryder Stone as well, who also is uh, has also not only been a returner for the Alouettes, but also uh, running back as well. So he may also get some reps uh, in uh, in addition to standing back. So again, this is a chance for the youth to step up and prove that they belong. Because again, Tyrell Sutton is still very much a next level player but let's not forget when it comes to running backs once you hit 30 it it only goes downhill from there so i'm, I'm not pushing study out the door by any stretch of the imagination don't get me wrong there but it doesn't hurt to take a look and see what the future holds because eventually you will be replaced and tyrell sutton did replace brandon whitaker uh-huh. uh, many moons ago and eventually that's this is the circle of life eventually someone is going to replace tyrell sutton and will it be William Stanbeck? Will it be Ryder Stone? Maybe, maybe not. But this is their opportunity to prove that, hey, I at least need to be a part of this conversation when it comes to the running back situation for the Montreal Alouettes. And I think William Stanback will definitely rise to the occasion. I'd like to see him against uh, this run defense of the Argos because uh, I know they've had a little bit of trouble containing some of the better running backs of this league. And uh, let's, let's, let's see what the young man can do. And if not, you know you got Ryder Stone, who's a national talent. Uh, I imagine he'll be probably more returning kicks and getting actual playing time as far as uh, in the backfield goes, but maybe they'll try to mix things up a little bit there too. I mean, 
I, I'm probably asking a whole lot here because <laughs> even when Sutty was 100% healthy, they still managed to abandon the run. So they'll do it just as easily for these two rookies as well. So, yeah, I don't, I don't get that. That's that's another thing that just that, that's just weird this year. Um, yeah, Owls himself, by the way, also had another blip this week in the penalties. They do well for a couple of weeks, and then they just really. Uh, they really crapped the bed this week when it came to penalties again. I mean, it's just like, you know, 129 total yards of, of penalties. Uh, extending drives, extending plays. But I, I don't know what, what else can be done. I mean, it seems to be there are a few teams this year that are having having issues. Um, it's good to see that, you know, I'd like to see this being a one-off. It'll be interesting to see what happens next week, right? Yeah, and let's hope uh, Darius Bowman can keep a, a bit more of a level head and not get himself thrown out of games. But... Uh... Again, sometimes see the moment things could pop up, and uh, it was kind of interesting too because this is actually this was actually Erdarius's first time back in Edmonton after playing there for so many years. So I imagine the uh, emotions may have been running a little bit high for him. So maybe that's why he got into a a little bit of a scuffle on Saturday night, to end up uh, being uh, politely asked to leave the game, which is uh, unfortunate because that is, again was supposed to be one of Montreal's better offensive weapons, and as a result of uh, Bowman's ejection. Uh, T.J. Graham ended up having to take a lot of the reps uh, on uh, on offense in the receiver position and did not look good. Uh, aside from one catch, he had one really outstanding catch, but that was it. <laughs> he had more outstanding failures than he did. Oh, plays. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was saying something we were looking for at the beginning, you know, before we before we did the show was that what is the uh, how many drops do the Alouettes have this year and what it could have cost them because. We've had a couple for the past couple of weeks where they've just, just been put put there perfectly uh, and they've just been dropped. Uh-huh. And I don't know. It it just seems it, it seems to me that that at this year, at least, we've seen to have more drops than anything else. And I don't it just, to me, it has nothing to do with the quarterbacks. It doesn't matter who's starting back there. If, if they're able to do it, I mean, come on. you got to admit that the pass by Pipkin was absolutely perfect. Oh, no question. I, like I said, Pickin just played an outstanding game, all things considered. And like I said, making throws like that, I mean, that's, that's the kind of ball you have to catch if you're a receiver. And I had said on Sunday, too, that it's easy to crap all over the receivers for not catching balls. And believe me, they do deserve a fair bit of the blame for why Montreal just can't get any offense going. But let's not forget, too, like when you're, you're a receiving core and you're working with a different quarterback seemingly every week, it is yeah. so hard to establish that rhythm, and, and when you abandon, and when you abandon the run, <laughs> okay. it's like a broken exactly. record. It's true, but again, like you know, it's it's easy to like I said, you you want to crap on these receivers. Fine, they definitely deserve a lo- a fair portion of the blame for not making the catches when they have to, and help move the chains. But also, too, like if the receivers just don't know exactly what the quarterback's going to do, then that plays as well, and you can't learn that stuff in a week. I'm sorry, like whether whether you're Johnny Manziel or Vernon Adams or Antonio Pipkin, I don't care what, who the quarterback is, you have to be able to establish that connection with your receivers. It takes time. Look at Mike Riley. He's worked all season with the same receivers, and they've got everything down to a science. I, you saw it again on Saturday. It just everything looked crisp. Everything looked clean. I mean, they they torched Montreal, and with good reason, because they've got that connection. They've been working together for the, fir- the first eight games that the Edmonton Eskimos have played, and yeah, I mean, you take a look at that situation and you take a look at what's going on in Montreal where you got, you know, a quarterback clown car, as I'd like to say. Uh, you don't know who's the starting quarterback uh, from week to week. Uh, what are these receivers expected to do? I mean, yeah. 
I, it's not just as simple as catch the ball. Sometimes it is, but I mean, if, <laughs> if, if, they're, you don't able th- to, if they're able to do that. <laughs> that. Exactly. Again, like the these drops from Graham were just brutal. They're absolutely brutal. But again, how, how many honest to true, honest to goodness reps has TJ Graham gotten over the past couple of weeks? I'm, I'm willing to bet next to none. So I mean, you want you, you want to blame this guy for why Montreal isn't winning? Sure, go ahead. But and he'll probably be the first to tell you, like, yeah, I got I got to be better out there. But you you need to develop that relationship with the quarterback. There, there's just no two ways about it. Ask any receiver in this league, and they'll tell you the same thing. You got to be on the same page with your quarterback from start to finish, from training camp to game nine, from the first quarter to the fourth quarter. I don't care what what whatever it is. You've got to have that relationship. You've got to have that connection between quarterback and receiver. And that's why you see so many beautiful touchdowns is because those guys, when they get it down, they got it down. And Montreal, unfortunately, this season has not gotten it down very, very often. No, no, they haven't. Um, uh, what is it? Before we talk about the, uh, the Dares Bowman ejection and some other stuff, um, I uh, want to remind everybody that we are on social media, and there are multiple places where you can catch everything that we, that we, that we do. Uh, you can head over to our main thing over, over our, our Twitter account. That's at Alouette's FL Deck. Uh, you can go over to our Facebook page at, as, at Alouette's Flight Deck. And also, if you want to listen to the 60-plus, ding, 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 60-plus episodes of, of Alouette's Flight Deck, uh, multiple places you can do so, but one of the main and the easiest places that you can do that, Cliff, is by heading over to alouettesflightdeck.ca. We're also on Google Play Music. We're also on uh, Apple iTunes or uh, iTunes uh, Podcast or whatever they're calling it now. Uh, and it's also Stitcher. And and I am forgetting the other one once again. Uh, Spotify. Thank you, Spotify. <laughs> I think I always forget Spotify. Um, you do, and and I can't forget it because I mean that's that's my weekend jam right there is to oh, is turn it? on Spotify. Oh yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Oh, okay. And the fact that they can you do podcasts on there, folks. I mean, there's there's no reason why you can't be able to enjoy this podcast. But yeah, absolutely. All else fails. Go to www.alouettesflightdeck.ca. Everything's archived. Everything's in order. You can listen to previous episodes. Listen to this one that you're currently listening to right now. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody that you know about the Alouettes Flight Deck. We definitely appreciate the support. That's right, we do. And uh, you know, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be doing what we what we do. Why we, you know, why we do it every week. Um, okay. Um, talk. I know we mentioned about the about the. Cause there have been so many inconsistencies in the CFL this year when it comes to uh, many things. When it comes to touchdown celebrations. When it comes down to. Uh, to fights and stuff like that, and I think this week's thing with uh, with Darius Bowman, I think, is a very good example of how two games do not equal the exact same result. And um, for those who happen to miss the game itself, Cliff, explain the situation with uh, how Darius got ejected. Well, it was uh, just a little bit of a scuffle. I think I, I didn't see the entire thing as it fold because the camera of course uh, was panning more towards the action as they tend to do but then you come back and there's fists being thrown and uh, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it a melee or a Donnie Brook or anything like that but I mean it's just a little bit of, uh, even that would be a, a generous term but uh, just a little bit of hand fighting between uh, Darius Bowman and uh, Edmonton Defender uh, again these things happen heat of the moment things uh, get a little hot and uh, for whatever reason, the referees decided, no, this is completely unacceptable, and uh, the both of you are out of here. Yeah, it was him in, between him and Mastin. 
Mass, yeah, Mercy Maston. That's right. I, I remember the Mercy part, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it didn't seem to show a whole lot of mercy these these referees. So <laughs> no, and I'm I'm going to put that one on Bradbury. Actually, uh, you know the the Bradbury curse once again, um, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, you know, because I really think that I, I saw it. Yes, I understand that Bowman did knock off Maston's helmet. Okay, but. You also saw Masson throw not not just one but a couple of jabs at Bowman, and mm-hmm. usually that's the case where you'll get, you know, you will you'll catch the guy that that does it second. That uh, that's true. Um, but in this case, for some whatever whatever reason, they decided to toss them both, and I think it was not warranted on the part of Adarius Bowman because it, the question is, did they catch it? Did they have help from? See, that's the other thing that I didn't I didn't even think about. Did they have help from the eye in the sky? to influence their decision to kick them to kick them both out and if that's the case then how come this isn't this isn't considered more like this isn't called or brought to brought to light more often because there's been lots of instances of hand fighting and guys kind of shoving each other and all that again it's it to me that's football like you're you're playing in close quarters with somebody things are going to get tight and uh a little aggressive i mean that that's to be expected so and I, i think players on both sides of the ball would say the exact same thing that that's just the nature of the beast and now when you now you got helmets being thrown off and actual fit closed fists being thrown then yes of course referees have to step in there and throw penalties and if absolutely need be then yes eject players but uh, you're absolutely right i without seeing everything in its entirety what did bowman do that was so bad yeah i mean exactly, did he, exactly. did he did he knock the guy's helmet off maybe or yeah. was it already loose and just happened to be uh, collateral damage. Uh, no, it's, it's no hard I, to... I saw they, they showed it afterwards. I, I, yeah, he, he it was it was a hand. It was a hand to the face mask and it came off. But oh. but still, I think you know I think Masson did the worst of it all. And the reason why I'm mentioning this too is because you look at the fight that happened in the Calgary Saskatchewan game. It was a hell of a lot worse than this thing. And one person gets ejected for so, for, for supposedly only spitting. That in, in itself is a farce. Yeah, I agree. The the the. The scuffle, if you will, from the Calgary Saskatchewan game looked ten times worse than anything that happened this past Saturday with Edmonton, Montreal. Uh, and again, spitting, of course, is definitely not something you can right. tolerate yeah, from I any. Agree. I agree from but, anybody. But yeah, you can't. You really can't put these two quote-unquote fights in the same in the same uh, in the same folder. There's no way. There's no way. No, you're comparing apples to oranges yeah. at that point. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, apples and bad oranges. Uh, bad yeah. apples, bad apples, and good oranges. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so Cliff, we're at the halfway point, and I wanted I wanted to do the, the ranking really of uh, of this past game, and I think it's something we're going to do probably in the future itself. But since we're halfway through the season for the Owls, um, it, it just three. I, I guess we can say to give our rankings, to give our grade for certain portions of the Alouettes franchise going, uh, you know, nine games through the 2018 season. Uh, yes, one, yeah, one and eight, yeah, I'd, I'd give that an F easily. I'm sure you would too. Um, when, when it comes to over, if we were to rank the offense and the defense specifically and giving them a fair grade since we've watched them quite a bit, what, what grades would you give them halfway through this season? For the offense, I would have to give it definitely a D minus. Uh, they just get last in league in points scored. Uh, way too many inconsistencies. Uh, too many. Qu- I get, too many quarterbacks. 
Too many quarterbacks, uh, receivers not catching balls, uh, no O-line protection whatsoever, uh, abandoning the run, because that, too, even even if that were a bright spot, and it's not, unfortunately, no matter how good of a player Tyrell Sutton is, he's just not getting the chance to really show that. And as a result, uh, the run game is practically non-existent. Yeah. Uh, the fact, again, I, I can't overstate this, is that Montreal scored 24 points, and that is the most they've scored all season long in a game. That's just not going to cut it. It's no. not going to cut it at all. So, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry to say, but this is a, a D-minus team when it comes to offense. Okay. Offense for me? Uh, well, I, I can say I, I'm pretty I'm pretty close to what you are, too. But uh, just to give a quick caveat is that uh, I think for the past three games with the change, I, I would actually give it a solid. Would you believe, even though we haven't scored and haven't won, i give it a solid C. Just, just okay. based on, off the, the quarterback play. Uh, less the game from Johnny Football, but he, he's he's he's... I would probably give it like a C minus for the last three games. But overall, um, yeah, I'd probably give it close to a D also. Uh, I really would because it's just there's, uh, it's not a complete failure on the Alouettes offensive side, but there's just so much more. Yeah, I mean, you would expect a hell of a lot more from Kahari Jones as an OC. Uh, you know, knowing that it's like you got to use your abilities and what you can. Um you know, and that just hasn't been the case. But then again, it doesn't help. And as I mentioned before, quarterbacks, change of quarterbacks, uh, wide receivers for some particular reason that can't run, that can't catch, and as as I mentioned, you know, giving up on the, giving up on the running game. Um, what about defense, Cliff? Is there a letter lower than F? <laughs> uh, uh, an incomplete. <laughs> uh, well, I, I wish I could give the Alouettes an incomplete, but I mean, truthfully. It- I would have to say that the defense has been the worst part of this season. Consistently giving up not one, not two, but no, sorry, two games where you of 50 plus points at home, no less. Uh-huh. At least three games, I think. Four, uh, four at 40. One off the three. team record, so four at 40. Yep. Uh, again, seven losses. Uh, how many, uh, like thousands upon thousands of yards of uh, allowed offense from your opponent? Uh, again, time, this, of, time of possession recently. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, this team apparently is spending at this at this rate. They're going to be spending an extra three games on the field in addition to the, the games they're already playing. I yes. think that was the stat I saw. Yeah, that, yeah, that uh, was uh, from. Um, to get credit where credit is due, was it was that a Rashma Danny who said that? Was that no? It, no, it was uh, Mokan. Yeah, yeah, Mokan from TSN six ninety. Yeah, that, that's a that's a crazy stat in itself. Um, it, it, it's unbelievable. I, the fact that the defense is spending way, way too much time on this field. Uh, they're gassed. They have nothing in the tank. Uh, again, nothing. There's just there's no pass rush anymore, or it's very, very little. Uh, like I said, the, the linebacking core, with the exception of Hinak Mwamba and Chris Aki, is practically non-existent. The secondary is a joke, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you bring in this talent, uh, again, uh, let's not forget that Mitchell White has been hurt. He's gone for the season. Possibly his career is finished. Uh, but you look at Tommy Campbell, who was supposed to come in and be this uh, superstar, and he's been average at best. Uh, Dominic Ellis, who I absolutely love as a player, but he is not, I mean, very inconsistent. Uh, am I missing anyone? Uh, I mean, TJ Heath, I mean, he just got here, so I mean, he's still kind of learning the ins and outs of the uh, the defense, but. I, I mean, between the injuries and just overall general play, like these, again, you're giving up all this offense to your opponent, and 
it it's awful. It, it, there's just no other way to describe this defense. It's just awful. And we were spoiled by Noel Thorpe. And I want to say something really quick. Yeah, sure. Last year, when Noel Thorpe and Jacques Chaplin were showing the door, there was almost a joyous occasion. It, it almost seemed like a lot of people were relieved to be rid of Noel Thorpe. And I'm talking about not just like coaches and players and other people internally within the organization were, were breathing a sigh of relief because they didn't have Noel Thorpe to worry about anymore. And a lot of fans, too, also felt that good riddance to this guy. The, the defense has been terrible the past few weeks and blah, blah, blah. I want to note, especially now, considering that Noel Thorpe is a member of the Ottawa Red Blacks, the first place Ottawa Red Blacks, I might add, and their defense has been outstanding overall. I want to ask, do you miss Noel Thorpe? Because I'll tell you right now, I miss Noel Thorpe. I miss the Noel Thorpe defense. Was he difficult to work with? Probably. I, I think he was a very demanding coach. I, I think he definitely knows how to get the most of his players. And I'm sure the, the, the Red Blocks will tell you the same thing. He, they, they may not like the way he pushes them sometimes, but the results speak for themselves, do they not? That's how it was here in Montreal. Uh, the this, this Norlthorpe defense worked and worked very well. I, th- I think the message was kind of getting lost towards the end with him, with his uh, players. But this Rich Stubler defense isn't inspiring anything other than Tears of sadness, to be honest with you, I, 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 I got to tell you, uh, this this defense w- was once the most feared in the Canadian Football League, and now it's just awful. I think the only thing that sort of overshadowed just how bad this defense is is the lack of consistency of anything at the quarterback position, and the fact that you had to bring in a Johnny Manziel to generate some sort of interest and try to fix uh, what's been a gaping wound. But in all reality, I don't care who the quarterback is. And it's been proven time and again. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. If your defense is allowing 40-plus points on a consistent basis, which is what the Alouettes have been doing, I don't care who the hell the quarterback is. You're, you're, you're done. You're finished. You have no hope. Yeah. And that's what it is with Montreal right now. With this defense, there is no hope. So I have to give this team a complete failure. This is definitely an F defense. One hundred percent. Yeah, I, I would say I, I I I was impressed by the, the the signs of what they did this past week with the with the all out blitzes. It worked. It worked versus Mike Riley. Yes, he was able to get some of the passes off. He had that weird tip pass for a touchdown, but it it seemed to work. And it makes me wonder if they have found something that they're going to do for you know. It's, it sounds like they, they normally would do in the. It's more of an NFL type of of defense, but. I'm curious to know if they're going to throw that more into their repertoire coming up this next week, especially with the with the rookie quarterback that, that Toronto has under center. Anything's possible, right? I mean, but uh, I, I can't disagree with you. You know, it's just really it is things have to improve, and I don't know w- what can be done. Um, you know, given the given the quarterbacks, I have to at least ask, given the quarterbacks and the, the issues that we've gone through this year, um, what would you rate the quarterback position itself? Because it, they see that to me, that's a little bit tougher than just giving out the entire team, you know, offensive team or defensive team, a particular grade. What would you do for the for the for the quarterbacks? Oh, see that I would definitely give an incomplete for because again, it's been so inconsistent. Uh, I mean, if we've had the same quarterback day in and day out, we right. could probably rank it a little bit better. But the fact that we've now gotten five different starters this season alone, and we're only nine games in. Uh-huh. I mean, we're how. Halfway through the season, and we've gone through five starting quarterbacks. That's again, that's that's not a complete. That's not you can't really grade that. So I mean, it's again, I, I I have no choice but to say incomplete on that one because 
nobody has really stepped up and assumed the mantle of leadership. Uh, Drew really flamed out. Jeff Matthews didn't do much and got hurt in the process. Verted Adams looked like he could maybe do something if he was given a chance, but was never really truly given a chance and got hurt. Uh, Johnny Manziel, uh, same thing. He kind of, I want to say flamed out, but I mean, he got burned pretty bad in his debut. Managed to recuperate a little bit and uh, redeem himself a little bit in his last game, but now he's hurt with concussion. And Antonio Pipkin, okay, first game in and did a, a solid job. But yep. uh, let's see how he does this Friday before we can really start making any sort of honest-to-goodness assessment yeah, of him. True. So That's true, because there was hardly any any tape on him. So uh, Matthew Schultz, when he came in, too, like he hasn't started a game, but I mean, when he's come in, he looked okay, too. Not great, but still looked... You know, like, again, you saw something was there. But, again, if you were to take just one of these guys and stick with them throughout the entire season, then you'd have a better idea of just how good the quarterbacking situation or just how bad the quarterbacking situation is here in Montreal. But as it stands right now, I would have to give it an incomplete because who who is the starting quarterback for the Alouettes? Like, there's, 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 there's nothing, there's no real true body of work unless you were to do it collectively. And collectively, it's not great. But for the same reason that, because because of injuries, because of inconsistencies, because of any number of things, it we, we can't really we can't really assign a grade to this no, you, because yeah, you echo my echo my sentiments perfectly because it's true. Yeah, I, I, if if something happens for the rest of the year, then maybe you know maybe we'll be able to to give it a, a an actual grade itself. Um, you know, we're gonna have to give the teacher quite a few apples and stuff like that. You know, to show them that we we do love them. Um, but it's yeah. Um, and, and it makes me wonder, Cliff, and I understand, you know, uh, uh, it looks like, you know, uh, Mantel's still going through concussion protocol, um, and it looks like Pipkin, Pipkin is going to start this week. Let's say Pipkin does do well. Who do you go with next week? <laughs> you see? Well, I mean, logistically, you go with the hot hand. If If Pipkin goes and he lights up the Argos, then it makes for a very difficult argument because yes, you've pretty much put all your eggs in the Johnny Manziel basket. By and large, you've invested so much in getting in, in getting this guy that you didn't get this guy to sit on the on the on the bench and hold a clipboard. You put him out there to play games and to win games. But if Pipkin goes out there and he has the game of his life, you can't just turn around the next week and say, "Well, yeah, we appreciate you. Yeah, you got us our second win of the season." And uh, yeah, just. You know, grab a chair and uh, let uh, let this guy come in because he's he's the star. He's the real got a, attraction. Yeah, we, we need some consistency. I will admit. I mean, it's yeah. Durant was was the quarterback for so many. You know, was the starter for so many games last year, but he, he really didn't go anywhere. Um, you know, I, I've I've heard people say, you, you look at who we have. We have Manziel. We have Pipkin. We have Schultz. Schultz. We have we have quite a few quarterbacks. I think that we may have our three. If you think about it, that that you know that's how it's been stated. Just a matter of who who goes in which which order. So I'm curious to see what happens if Pipkin can continue on his uh, on his uh, on his streak and play really well, uh, put up some some career numbers against Toronto. I would hope that it would be a tough decision for Coach Sherman and the coaching staff. Yeah, because um, again, I, I get it. You you've 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 pretty much invested everything in Johnny Mansell, and you didn't bring him in here to sit and learn obviously i mean that's that's unfortunately been the case I mean, with yeah the, i mean come on what what team what time what team you know trades a first round draft pick or something like that for for a guy on the neg list and a neg list quarterback and puts him on puts him and sits him on the bench or oh wait never mind 
Yeah. Never mind. Um, yeah, I mean, Vernon Adams is in that is in that uh, in that mix too. So we we do have some some pretty good young guys. It's just you know some consistency. Um, yeah. And I now, do remember too saying also earlier this year that I really believed that Matthew Schultz and Antonio Pipkin were going to be a part of this team and possibly help be the quarterbacks of the future. Like I thought, yeah. okay, if you really were going to go with Drew Willie and his mostly inconsistent offense. So be it. And if the the end if the end game was to develop Schultz and Pipkin as potential starters and let them come into games and take their lumps and learn how to be quarterbacks, I was all for that. And now, mostly because of uh, circumstance, that's kind of how things had worked out. Like Schultz came in in relief for for Willie a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but unfortunately, he's he's been hurt. Yeah, and uh, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy and hasn't been able to find any sort of real consistency. Uh, now you've got Pipkin here, who was actually cut uh, at the start of the – or not at the start of it, but uh, pretty much uh, once the season got going, he yep. was uh, let go. Yeah, uh, Brought back due to in, all these injuries to guys like Vernon Adams and such. But uh, he's proven, too, that, hey, he, bel- he belongs to at least in the conversation. And let's not forget, he's still a young man. He's, he's very much – he's not even in his mid-20s. And – the ceiling on him is there. Like he, yeah. He's got a high ceiling, and he's only going to get better with time and with experience. So I think he realizes this too, and he knows he's got to make the most of this opportunity against Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have to play you know, lights-out football necessarily. Like He just has to play good, solid football. But again, if he does light it up, I mean, that definitely does make for a very interesting scenario because let's say Johnny Mansell passes protocol con- con- uh, concussion protocol and he's back, and he's ready to go, and he's just, you know, has a good week of practice. Oh, damn it. I just said it. <laughs> but God, God forbid this happens. Like, yes, what do the coaches do? The pressure, obviously, is going to be on starting Manziel because people aren't rushing to the stands to buy Antonio Pipkin jerseys. They're buying Johnny Manziel jerseys. TSN isn't doing uh, player profiles on Antonio Pipkin. They're doing player profiles on Johnny Manziel. Yet. ESPN is clamoring not for Antonio Pipkin. They are clamoring for Johnny Manziel. So yes, the pressure is on the Alouettes to make sure that if Johnny Manziel is able to play a football game, then Johnny Manziel better play a football game and he better win too. Mm-hmm. That's the expectation. But if Manziel plays and doesn't win, you go back to Pipkin who may or may not win or may or may not be a little more consistent as, as quarterback for the Alouettes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's definitely a, a very interesting scenario and I sincerely hope for Pipkin's sake that he sort of removes any doubt that he should be a starting quarterback. And if anything, it's only going to help Manziel in the long run because, honestly, even if he shows up for, the, for practice the rest of the week and, yeah, he's feeling good and he's you know out there and he's throwing the ball around and looks like he's connecting with the receivers and maybe he's picked up a little bit more of the playbook as well. I mean, like, these are all good things. Don't get me wrong. But it's all well and good to have that dreaded good week of practice and feeling good and all that stuff. But game day is where it counts. And exactly who's going to be ready on game day. Is it going to be Johnny Manziel? Is it going to be Antonio Pipkin? You got to go with whoever's ready. You got to go with the one who you believe is going to perform when the lights are on. And as of right now, it's going to be Antonio Pipkin. And I, I'm really curious to see this Friday, just what kind of game he has, because if he turns in a, a bad performance, then yeah, Right away, back to Manziel, back to back to where we started from. But if he has a good performance, and I, again, I'm telling you right now, he does not have to throw for 400 yards no. and four touchdowns no. like Mike Riley does. No. no one's expecting that out of Antonio Pipkin. But 
if he can put together, uh, God forbid, put together a win against a suddenly upstart Toronto Argos team that was kind of in their own sort of uh, funk until McLeod Bethel-Thompson came along, if the Alouettes could win this Friday and win in a somewhat convincing fashion as a, as a result of Pipkin's play, I'm telling you, uh, yeah, I, it's going to be very hard to tell him to, to take a take a seat. It, it really will be. Yeah, yeah. It, and to me, it wouldn't be the same situation as it was. It was Trevler and Nichols in, in Winnipeg. It's a completely different situation um, when, it, when it comes to that thing. Because, you know, Nichols is, a, is, a, is their starter. So it's, it's, it, was, it won't be the same type of thing if that does happen here. Um, last thing I had to ask, just to go back real quickly, Cliff, because I know we want to talk about a few other short things before we finish up. Um, hmm, what, would you, what would you give the overall coaching staff of the Alouettes for the first half of the season? <laughs> what did I give the defense again? Uh, a big uh, a D minus. Or, or was that no, an F? I, no, an F. You gave him an F. An F? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'll go with an F there too. Okay. Because... Uh, again, I, I, I'm top to bottom. This is not a very good coaching staff. I'm beyond disappointed at what Kahari Jones has given this Alouette's offense. After all the talk throughout the off season about how this, you know, he's we've we finally had a real offensive coordinator, and he was going to bring in this exciting playbook, and it was going to work. And even the players too were very excited to work with him. And Again, I don't expect the, the players to throw their coach under the bus. And if I were to ask them now, like, what do you think of Karari Jones as the offensive coordinator now? I'm sure they'll say, well, there's a lot of good things happening here, and it's just going to take time. We just got to work harder, blah, blah, blah. Like, and I expect those answers from the players, 100%. Right. right. But numbers don't lie. This team is not generating offense. And, again, there was a time when Yalowitz's offensive coordinators – you could blame them for a lot of things. And they, believe me, I, I've been very critical of a lot of them, whether it was uh, Turk Schonert, uh, Mike Miller, God love him, Anthony Calvillo, Ryan Dinwiddie. All of these guys were offensive coordinators for the Alouettes, and the offense was terrible. And you can blame it on any number of things, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because you've got to produce points in the CFL to win. And I'll say the same thing to Kahari Jones. You're not producing points. You're not winning. You're not doing your job, and I'm supposed to be impressed because, yeah, you were. You actually do have CFL experience. I'll give you that. But in the end of the day, winning's what matters. I don't care what you did in the past because it's all about what have you done for me lately. And right now, one and eight, that's not winning. Yeah, not not even a little bit. The defensive coach, like I said, Rich Stubler, he was kind of thrown into the the situation uh, because Khalil Carter was supposed to be the DC and end up. Uh, leaving the organization and decide to focus on being a scout instead. And again, when your defense is allowing 40, 50 points, I can't overstate this. You're not doing your job. You're not proving that you belong. You don't, you, this defense is terrible. It's absolutely terrible. There's yeah. just no other. I, I, I can't, I, I can't in good conscience give this, this overall coaching staff anything but an F. And again, the head guy has no CFL experience whatsoever. Is that his fault? No. It's whomever hired him. If winning was so important, why wouldn't you have a CFL head coach with actual CFL experience? You lucked out once hiring a guy that had no CFL experience and it worked out pretty good with Mark Tressman, but clearly it doesn't always work. Uh, take a look. Dan, uh, Bart Andrus, Dan Hawkins, those guys too also had no CFL, or CFL experience and they, they flamed right out. So what... Like I said, it can go one of two ways. You either get a Trestman or you get a Hawkins. 
And we had, and we've had both. <laughs> we really have. And again, maybe unfair to, to to lay this all on Mike Sherman, but at the end of the day, you've surrounded yourself with a coaching staff that has CFL experience. Uh, at the end of the day, it's all about the wins. And I'm, I'll tell you right now, I'm not advocating for the coaching staff to be fired because, again, that's also proven to not work either to replace a coach midseason. Uh, like I said, it's just unfortunate, but we're going to have to just ride this out. And I really hope this is a, a big message to ownership of who you hire in these football positions, whether it's general manager, president, coaching staff, head coach, Christ, water boy, even, <laughs> you know, you got to bring in the right people. You got to bring in the best possible people to win. And I'm sorry to say, I, I don't get the impression this coaching staff was put together to win football games. I think this was put together as a, a marriage of convenience and just kind of hope to luck into a few wins. I mean, I said at the start of the season, this team was going to go 7-11 and 11 just based on talent alone. And now, truthfully, I I envision 1-17. And that sucks, Tim. That really sucks to know that the football team that we support has the potential to go 1-17 mm-hmm. in the Canadian Football League. Yeah, I know. I it, know. It, it's but, disheartening. It's it's frustrating. I mean, let's let's what hope, can you let's what hope, can you say about it? No, I know. Let's hope with with we do have some positive looks when it comes to you know Pipkin and Manziel. Let's hope some things get better. I mean, we still have half the season to go. There's not really not more we can you know. It's unfortunately it's the old cliche. It's game by game. It's just things have got to be. They have to they have to do some things to to fix. Yeah, two more bye weeks also included. So. Anything's possible, uh, you know. They aren't heading. They aren't heading out west anymore, except well, Winnipeg. But I mean, it's it basically everything's going to be in the East Coast. So let, let's let's see what happens. Um, You're absolutely right. There are a few bright spots here, and I just hope that those few bright spots are really truly given a chance to shine and really help develop something out of this. Because yeah. let's face it, I mean, there, the potential is there, and I, I did say that against after the game in Ottawa, I actually felt very encouraged because. Montreal actually played a very complete game from start to finish. And truthfully, I thought at that point, okay, then maybe there really is something here. Maybe there is something to build upon, and maybe you do have to be patient. But then you turn in a performance like you did against Edmonton. And again, I'm not taking anything away from Edmonton. They are definitely a well-oiled machine, 100%. Like offense, defense, you name it. They, they've they got it up and down, 100%. Uh, but that's not an excuse. I'm sorry. It's it's simply not an excuse. Uh this team cannot keep coasting by or just, you know, little things here and there. You need to put together a game plan consistently, game in and game out, and stick to it and make it work. And that's something I have not really seen very much of in Montreal this year. And that, too, has to change 100%. Yeah. Um, before we talk shortly, you know, talk about the game quickly coming up this Friday. Uh, for Friday Night Football, uh, quickly go over, we're talking about it and hinting towards it, uh, quickly go over some of the uh, over the transactions that have occurred over the past couple of days. Well, uh, today was actually a big day for uh, for transactions. Uh, perhaps the most notable based on the, uh, no doubt based on the game that happened this past Saturday in Edmonton. A couple of releases happened. Most notably, TJ Graham, who unfortunately could not catch a ball to save his life, was shown the door. Uh, Joe Rankin, who also was uh, starting a uh, uh, field corner for the uh, Alouettes, has also been uh, given his walking papers. And Michael Hill, who we didn't see a whole lot of, but uh, 
you know, his time in Montreal was uh, short but sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, when it came to uh, Graham and Rankin, though, who actually did see the field, uh, it's disappointing to see TJ Graham released only because I felt he was misused right off the bat. He is not a receiver. The The guy cannot catch footballs very well, unfortunately. That was made clear as day. Whether you want to blame it as opposed to not uh, getting enough practice time or not getting enough reps in an actual game situation or any number of reasons. Okay, fine. But the one thing that always impressed me with Graham is his speed. Why he is not considered a returner, I have no idea. I Again, I understand William Stanback has been playing fantastic football as a returner for the Alouettes. I get that, and I'm not taking anything away from him. And we have Stefan Logan still. I mean, it's... Yeah, so again, not taking anything away from those guys, but I really, truly thought TJ Graham could be the returner of the future for the Alouettes, and he just never got a chance to shine in that role. He never even got uh, any reps, to be honest with you, as a returner, which I I couldn't understand. Like, you're putting TJ Heath out there against Edmonton to return kicks, but not TJ Graham. Uh, maybe it's because they're so worried about him not being able to catch a football that's thrown to him. They probably didn't think he could catch a football that was kicked to him, which is two totally different things. But fine. It, it, again, this this coaching staff has made their decision. They've decided to move on from Graham. So be it. Uh, yeah, that's uh, unfortunately that's the way football works. Is uh, it really is what have you done for me lately? And unfortunately, TJ Graham was given a golden opportunity to show that he belongs on this team, and ultimately failed the test, which is unfortunate. But again, that that that's football for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting game. As I said, we had, had some changes. I was changing running back. The beef. John Bowman, what a beast, man. I, I cannot believe that this dude is going to play. He, he is an old school, old school type of guy you want to play when, you know, when they're playing Iron Man football, that type of stuff. The way, them coming back three weeks removed from a, a, a was it, torn tricep? Uh, torn bicep, Sorry, actually. Torn bicep. It's, it's, it's crazy. I'm curious to know how, how, you know, if he will be able to do what he needs to do, um, or if he's going to be played sparingly, well, we'll see. Um, how will the how will the offense change with Terrell Sutton uh, probably being put on, on at least on at least on a one game? Um, will there be other pickups for defense? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there were some you know some some former Owls who were and were dropped uh, today. Uh, in the CFL, so anything's possible. Gabe Napton was dropped from BC. Um, and I, by the way, I, I think it's funny too is that I'm looking at you know how badly the Owls, and it just showed that how how wrong I think they were. The Owls are only a five point underdog this week, Cliff, as of as of today, uh, via five times. They're five and a half point underdog. Wow, that is pretty impressive because. I mean, again, uh, Toronto, for all of their woes that they had earlier this season, I, I know it's early, but uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson seems to have been able to find that spark on offense for, for the Argonauts. And I'm actually surprised that the uh, the folks at Five Dimes decided to just make it uh, five and a half. But maybe it's because they saw how much I was able to keep things competitive mm-hmm. versus Ottawa. So maybe they're thinking Eastern teams. Yeah. I think uh, like maybe the line just has to be a little bit more reasonable. And I think that's where it's at. So, I mean, five and a half definitely seems believable yeah, for that, a montreal toronto game yeah that seems more believable I, I i'll agree with you on that one um also can't can't forget to remind people that it is also uh um diversity of strength i guess the second week of diversity of strength this week uh I, the alouettes are selling uh the uh the dis shirts uh in their uh, online and uh, i think they will be selling them at the at the stadium um 
I know Cliff will be wearing ours. Want to give uh, thanks to the league for providing them for uh, uh, for all the podcasts within the uh, uh, the Canadian Football Podcast family. Um, it we, you know it just shows that we want to help spread uh, you know help spread the word about how diverse the CFL actually is. And I know I don't I know we we went into quite a bit of it last week, but don't forget. So if you're there at the stadium. I don't know if they're gonna have if they'll have a special on the shirts or not, but uh, it, it's you know if you have a chance, pick one up or or rep your colors. Uh, that's the best thing to do. Show what makes you diverse the most. Uh, yeah, bring, because, bring you know just bring bring it to the stadium and just show everybody, uh, no matter what it is. Yeah, and let's not forget like the the the, the trailblazer, the pioneer, whatever you want to call him, that the that is being featured this year is Herb Trawick, which. I've compared him to Jackie Robinson as far as breaking the color barrier in the Canadian Football League. Uh, it's interesting to note that he did that in Montreal, just like Jackie Robinson also played in Montreal uh-huh. and also was a, a part of breaking the color barrier in baseball. So it's interesting to note that Montreal has sort of hosted two trailblazers, if you will, as far as uh, breaking the color barrier in sports, which is absolutely outstanding. It's just a, an amazing fact. And the fact that uh, we're paying a tribute to this legend, uh, this Alouette's legend, is as part of this diversity of strength program is absolutely wonderful. So yep. yeah, if you get a chance, folks, I, I I'd be stunned, quite frankly, if they don't sell the sell these t-shirts uh, this coming Friday. Definitely pick one up. Uh, and if you don't want to buy a t-shirt for whatever reason, then yeah, definitely show your pride, show your 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 support for the Alouettes, uh, show your support for diversity by repping your colors, repping your team, because that's what it's all about, is showing just how diverse and how amazing this league and this country is because of all these different people that come in from different walks of life and help make this game what it is today. Uh, be sure to show that pride and show show the world, essentially, because the world's going to be watching this game on Friday night and show everybody that's going to be watching just how diverse and how amazing this, not only this league, but this country is as well. So... Mm-hmm. It's on you now, folks. Like yeah. you gotta, you gotta step up and help show just how diverse this uh, this great game of ours is and this great country of ours is. And probably one of the most. It depends on which type of fan you are, Cliff. It could be either one of the best uh, giveaways or one of the worst giveaways. Telus is giving away cowbells. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Giving well, away cowbell. I'm trying to see how many people. Is it the first? I'm trying to see if it was saying if it was saying how many. It doesn't say how many. So yeah, they're giving out cowbells. Uh, they just say bells at the stadium entrances. But yeah, just I'm sure it's gonna. I, I, they can, it can make that place loud. It can make that place loud. But I can just imagine how many people is gonna piss off. But still, it's gonna be loud. <laughs> oh yeah, like which is unfortunate because yeah, there's still so many fans. Fans. I, I use air quotes for that. That just don't understand why it's so noisy at certain times of the game. Like it's supposed to be noisy, and I wish that the team would take these steps to educate these, again, quote unquote, fans as to why you have to make noise on defense, why you have to do that. It's like that's more important, as far as I'm concerned, than getting that sick then, selfie. Then what? Or, or chatting Johnny football? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I'll, I'm willing to bet we'll probably still hear a bunch of "We want Johnny" chants oh, uh, throughout the game, yeah. even though the again the uh, I, I'm the Alouettes still haven't ruled Manziel out completely and I sincerely hope that if he's not going to play or dress that they do so just right off the bat so that if people don't want to come to the game because all they want to go do is see Johnny football play then fine but okay well here here, here's the example because I have something that I would say so so you do the chant and I'll say what I'm going to respond back all right we want Johnny please shut your face there you go 
So I like it. We have to be, you know, we're Canadians. So we got to say please first for everything or something like that, you know, or thank. Well, you know. Yeah. And then we'll apologize afterwards it, for it, telling people to shut their face. Because exactly. <laughs> what, what's more Canadian than that, right? Yeah. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, besides saying A, eating poutine, uh, maple syrup, and uh, uh, Labatt or Molson. Oh, don't make me choose. Okay. I won't. They're both terrible. <laughs> okay. There, it's an incomplete. Uh, so, so Cliff, you'll be sitting next to me. So if you want to come visit us, come visit us in section Y1. Both Cliff and I will be sitting there together this week. Um, if you are going to be there, uh, just shoot us over. Uh, send us a message over on Twitter. You can reach Cliff at, uh, at Cliffy D and myself at Repact, R-E-P-P-A-C-T. Um, and let us know that you're going to be there. So, Cliff, I will see you, sir. I don't see, I know if I'll see you at, uh, at uh, Tailgate, but I will see you at the seats at least. Yes, absolutely. Definitely looking forward to a, a fun Friday night of football. But that, yeah. that, was a, that was illiterate right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just hope, so no. let's, let's break, you know what? Last time we had a home win versus Toronto, let's also break the streak, Al's, and let's get a win at home. If nothing else, at least one win at home this season. And you've done it before. You've beaten the Argos at home. So hey, it's been a do it again. It's so far. It's been a year of streak, two years of streaks. We already broke one streak this year. Let's break another one. Let's start a new streak, whether it be you know, and let's let's see what happens. Uh, let's you know, let's have a let's have a quarterback maybe start a third game this year. Uh, but we'll we'll see what happens. So. Uh, we'll see everybody there. So for everybody here at Alouette's Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Take off to the great white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off to the great white north. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.